chapter 14. As we go on with this theme this year, I know the Lord, there are so many things that the Lord will speak to us about. He will teach us. And, uh, and, and I want to grow, you know. But really, at the end of the day, we want the Word to produce fruit in our lives. Amen? Because that's what God wants for us. He says that He did not intend for His Word to return to His void. He wants that His Word will produce a purpose in our life that God sent it. So when we receive the Word of God, God is actually intends for the Word to do something in us that will propel us into what He is saying over us. I'll wait till you catch up. Because His Word is strong, His Word is mighty. He says that the Word, the heavens and earth will pass away, but His Word will always stand. And so what I want to do in my life I want to align my life with His Word because I know His Word will stand no matter what happens. So things can change, opinions can change, uh, and we can rationalize all sorts of things. But it says the world as we know it will change, but one thing you can count on all the time is the Word of God. Now the Word of God is not just uh, empty words. It's an active Word. It's a living Word. And so I want the Word of God in my life to be active and to be living in me. Because when it's alive in me, it begins to produce something out of my life. I want to be changed by the Word of God. I want to look at December 31st, 2017 and look back and say, Wow, the, this, is, this has been nothing but the doing of the Lord. And it's marvelous in my sight that I am better off at the end of this year than I was at the beginning of this year. Because I've been changed, I've been renewed and been restored by the Word of God. So that's kind of the theme that we, that's the attitude we are taking this year of propel, propelling into our destiny. So we've been looking at the life of Samson and I've encouraged you to take some time and read the story because I'm going to jump. It's, it's actually the story of Samson is covered in only three chapters. So it's not really a long one, but I'm going to draw a few things each week uh, for, for, as the Lord would have me speak. Um, uh, and we can learn some things from that. Okay. So today I'm going to read a few verses, actually quite a number of them. All right. Buckle up. Because it's a little story, and, and I was thinking, oh, I just want to do one verse. And it just kind of doesn't do it, you know. So it's like, let's just read the whole thing. Uh, it's, it's only ten verses. And some of you, that's the most of the Bible you've read this week. You know it. You're at church. You, you, you could admit it. So like, we might as well get to the Word, okay? So, and, um, and, uh, and, and a, lot of, a lot of dynamics playing out in this story. But I'm going to really, read it, but I'm going to just draw a couple of things for us this morning. So verse 10 of uh, chapter 14. Um, the story here is Samson had gone to a town, before I read verse 10, had gone to a town called Timnah. And when he went to this town, he saw a girl that he really liked. Went back home and he says, nope, dad, mom, I want to get married. I know I found the perfect one for me, you know. And so had his parents convinced, he's going back to Timnah to get married to this uh, woman. Okay. So this is the story when they go down there. At least you can follow. How many at least know the backstory now? We can read. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. As his father and mother were making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timna, as it was the custom for elite young men. When the bride parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companion. Well, that, talk about a big wedding party right there. 
30 dudes, I don't know how many women were on the other side. But Samson said to them, so he's talking to the dudes, his new found friends, yeah? Let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of celebration, now you think you like to party. These, these guys are celebrating for seven years, seven days for their marriage. Uh, I will give you 30 fine linen of robes and 30 sets of uh, festive clothing. But if you, saw, if, if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. I think he's putting his life on the line. I wonder if Timna was the ancient day Vegas or something. But he's got a plan going on, you know. These guys are celebrating already. Uh, so a little backstory there. Samson, on his first trip to Timna, had come, run into a lion. This is a, a long lion attacked him, and he tore the lion apart. There was a few chapters before, actually one chapter before. And uh, killed the lion apart, you know, and he was like, so on his way back, he goes, I got to check out that route. He sneaks out and finds the carcass of the lion. And some uh, beers had kind of found a place to rest in there. And, they built, uh, and, and Samson went in, kind of uh, found the honey in the carcass, ate the honey. And he was, so he comes out really proud of him and says, you know, that carcass was a reminder. You know what? I killed a lion, dude. You know, so he knows that he's got something other people don't have. But what he did not have, he did not have. 30 robes of fine linen. He did not have all those festive clothes. And in back in those days, that was a hard commodity. It was an expensive deal to be able to afford um, good clothes. So let's keep reading. So, all right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. Okay, bring it on, Samson. Bring it on. So he said, okay, out of the one who eats comes something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. He knows what he's talking about. Nobody else understands what's going on. So three days later, they, are, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, <laughs> If you can't beat him, go to his wife. <laughs> Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn your father's house with, the, with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So he comes with a threat. It's like they're kind of a little nice. And comes in a threat. It's amazing the extent that fear will take us. Fears will take us, will cause us to act irrationally. Fears, fear will blind us. And, uh, and, and this kind of, obviously she loves her family. And, and she is a, uh, Philistines, so she knows how the Philistines act. She knows that these guys, when they say that, they mean it. So she's not playing games here. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, You don't love me anymore. You hate me. You're giving the, my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Now, there are a lot of stuff. There's so many dynamics going on in this. Man, it's, I'm just trying to hold myself from actually not diving into all of it. So for one, she can't get it her way. And what does she resort to? Manipulation. She could have come straight to him and said, you know what? I've been threatened. 
my dad, my family, we're going to be killed by these people. Maybe Samson would have come up with a different solution had he known the truth. Well, you look at me and you know these things happen all the time in our lives. You know what you want. Well, he should know. If he, know, if he, like, he should understand that. No, no, no. You got to say and be clear about what you want and what you need. You know, so sometimes. So, there, so there, it's the first week of marriage and already this thing is playing out. They are starting off badly already. Because I haven't even given that answer to my father or mother. He replied, why should I tell it to you? Oh, because you're, I'm your wife. So both of them. So she comes here. She has a problem. It's a real concern. It's not bad. But she doesn't come straight to him and say, hey, I've been threatened. We're going to get killed. So she kind of goes into a manipulative way to get her way. And he puts his parents above his wife. I could sense this marriage is not going to last a long time if it goes on. (laughs) So a few things that are playing out here. So she cried whenever she was with him and kept up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her, the answer, because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Hmm. 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 That doesn't happen here. No. <laughs> that happens there. Yeah. Then she explained the riddle to... Then she, what did she do? Again, she didn't keep straight with her husband, right? She went and explained the riddle to the young man. Now, so wait a minute. She was responding to a real, real legitimate threat. Her life was in line. On the line. Her parents could have died. She would have died. So her concern was real. Are you with me? So she was motivated with a real concern that was not created. But the way she went about it was not right. She took matters into her own hands. And you know, ultimately, so this is not the message, but if you read on to the story, they they did kill her. Not on this incident, but a different incident. They did kill her, and they did kill her father. One of my friends had a saying that he always says, that you will always lose what you compromise to keep. That ultimately, what you choose to compromise on in order to maintain and save would eventually get you. And this was the beginning of trouble in Samson's life. A guy that had so much purpose, so much vision, so much anointing, so much blessing on his life. He had a lot going on for him. God's hand was upon him. He was anointed to be a leader of his people. But a few things in his life set him on on a different path. And his life would not be as victorious as it was supposed to be. Even with as much as he had going on for him. 
If you read his story, it actually does have a sad ending. You think like maybe he was vindicated at the end, but he really was and he did have a sad ending. I don't think that was the full store scope of what God had in plan for Samson. And it's not different for us sometimes. Actually, all the time. God has so much bigger plans for us. When he looks at you and me, he says, I know the plans that I have concerning your life. The plans I have for you, they are plans to prosper you. They are not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future, to give you a hope. If you would put your trust in me, trust in my ways. Don't try to go around things. Just be straight, a straight shooter with me. Take my word as it. Believe me. I will bless you. But when things don't come the way maybe we would have hoped for, it's so easy to kind of bend the corner a little bit and decide, hey, I'm going to compromise on this or compromise on that or I don't know how God would do this. I, 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 human nature. But the Lord says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Those who trust in me, they are strong and they shall do mighty exploits. God, God, God wants to do great things in your life. Okay, let's keep on with the story here. So before the sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? There's no way on earth they would have known that. He knew they cheated. Samson replied, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. He's like, why? I don't know how you did it. I think I know how you did it. But you see, if Samson and his wife, if they were in unity at this point, they probably could have come up with a better plan to defeat the common enemy. They had a common enemy. They're supposed to be on the same team. But because they're walking in disunity, it actually resulted in a bad result, a lose-lose situation for both of them. That's why the law says that where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Oftentimes you'd find even people that we disagree with, sometimes you find that you have the same goal. You might go about it a different way. You know, three plus six is nine, and so is four plus nine. Plus four. (laughs) Some of you didn't even catch it. F, you know. But, but in the, the unity where there's unity, there is a blessing. That's why God commands a blessing. But they're already starting off their marriage going different ways. And ultimately, you know it will not last because they were not together. And yet, they had the same common enemy. Guess what, people? We have a common enemy. The Bible says, what's around for your enemy, the devil? Who prowls around like a rolling lion, seeking to whom he might devour. Look out for him. And sometimes the enemy is so good, but he gets us to fight against each other. And we are peddling, and we are doing this, and we are trying that. And yet, and then at the end, we both lose. Instead of seeing him as he is. And facing him head on. But here's a, okay, I'm going to finish it. Okay, I knew that somehow I have a hard time finishing this. So let, let's finish the story and then we can continue. Verse 19, then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings 
and gave their clothing to the men who had solved this riddle. Poor guys. They had nothing to do with this. And they find themselves under the mighty hand of Samson was far more superior than them because he had the anointing of God in his life. And I think there's so much, this, that passage is so telling of the nature of God. So this guy is not using his anointing right, but God still blessed him. God still anointed him. See, God is so generous with his giftings. Have you ever seen people that are so talented? They're so gifted in their sphere of, um, uh, of discipline. And you're like, wow, maybe they're a basketball player. Maybe they're a businessman. Maybe, you know, and they're so good at what they do, you know there's something special, right? But something is missing in their lives. They're so good, but they're missing character. They're missing things inside that they've never taken attention to work on. See, when God works on us, he works on on the opposite side. He likes to walk on the inside of us. See, when we follow the Lord, when we start to walk with Him, God exposes things in our lives. And it's uncomfortable. Oh my goodness, it is. And He doesn't do it to shame us. See, God, God exposes things in your life, not to shame you, because He wants you to get better. So He's showing you, oh, hey, hey, hey. You never really looked at this. You know, two years ago, you weren't ready to see that. But because I have such great plans for you, you need to deal with this. Because I want to make you better so that at the end, your anointing will do more blessing and it will not become your demise. They did a study many times. I, I can't really cite any studies, but it's a commonly known thing that a lot of people that won, win the lottery end up worse off than they began. Is, don't we know that already? And, the, you know, when they follow all the stories, why is that? Because I think they weren't unprepared for what they, you know, so, so the, whatever was supposed to, like, oh, man, if you give me a lot of money, I'll do a lot of good things. Well, when the, a lot of money comes in and you find out that you're not who you thought you were. And you found out that you are such a popular guy. You thought, wow, I didn't know I was this popular. But you see, the Lord, the Lord is more concerned about who we are than what we do. So your role might not even be a role that people recognize. But the Lord does. Because he measures us by who we are inside. Our character. Our faith. Our faith. Our faith. I can say that again. Our faith. Because your faith will show in places sometimes that you might not get the accolades, but it's just quiet trust of who he is, of trusting him no matter what he throws, what's thrown our way, good and bad. Because sometimes it's easy to cry to the Lord when it's all bad. And when it's all good, it's like, God, thanks a lot, I got this now. Oh, yeah, you know I'm saying the truth. So when it's all comfortable, sometimes it's harder to, 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 to have that dependency on God. Or it could, go, it could have the opposite effect. To some people, when it's really bad, they get mad at God. 
I don't believe in God at all. Don't trust him. There's no such thing as God. Well, if God was there, why would he let all these bad things happen? He's like, well, I thought he's not there. I thought he doesn't exist. Now, when things that are bad happen, now you've got to blame him. So you can have, you can swing both ways, you know what I mean? But our faith is a study that we walk with God and we get to know his character and his nature, realizing that we live in an imperfect world and that there are things that we cannot control, but God's still sovereign. There are things that I can't answer, but I trust that he has my best interest at heart. I don't, can't explain everything. I can't put my hand on everything. I cannot control everything. But I know God is still in control and he is a good God. That's a quiet trust because you understand who he is. God like Job who went through some things, you're like, wow, God, don't make me an example of Job's life. I don't want it to prove anything. You know, but he says, Lord, even if you slay me, I will still trust you, God. That's a guy who understood the nature of God. That's what growth is. That's what faith is. That in the good time, in my mountaintop, I'm still as desperate for God as I was in my darkest valley, the, the, the lowest valley. But it shows also that God doesn't take the gifting, even if we don't use it properly. But what ends up happening is that when, um, um, if we don't use it properly, it ends up harming us instead of blessing us, or harming other people instead of blessing them. But God intends that the gifts are to bless, not to curse. He was treated unfairly. Nobody should have known that riddle. He was a brilliant one. He came up with that. He should have gotten credit for it before copyright laws, you know. That was a brilliant. You got to say that was a good riddle. How many likes a good riddle? Yep. And, and he's like, you guys cheated. It was unfair, you know. December 5th, 2009, Big 12 Championship game. Nebraska, 10, 12, Longhorns, 10. How many remember that game? Our defense was so good, they could compete in the NFL, but we had no offense. High school at best, you know. The defense scored all the points. Remember that? Texas unbeaten, Nebraska 9-3. How do I know these details? I, it was not fair, that's why. <laughs> Clock is running down. I'm going to go out of the Big 12 as champions. Nobody can score on this side. All the points that year, it was like, is this football or is it really football? Because it was the same as soccer points because they did not have any offense. But boy, nobody crossed that line. Remember that? It was awesome to watch Tamika and Sue those days. Wow. Sue, you all know it. <laughs> Caught McCoy. Claus is running down. He throws that ball and he's out of bounds. How many believe that that's the truth? Oh, come on. That, he was out of bounds. He was. And somehow they figure out how to put. It was a fraction of a second. A fraction of the second to give him a field goal. And they win. Not fair at all. Can I get an amen? We left Big Top as the champions in 2009. Come on. You guys know it. 
it was not fair. And life kind of has a lot of unfair things. You're sitting around waiting for the game to be fair all the time. You could be a bitter person. You could be an angry person. You could lose a lot of joy in your life waiting for it to be fair. Folks, it's never going to be fair until Jesus comes one day. It's never going to be fair. You could, be all, you could do all the right things and things may still not go right. But in this passage we read, the story we read, how was a game changer for Samson. Because he picks up some traits that would affect him for the rest of his life. He picked up some things that would ultimately define what his destiny. It changed, it was a game changer on his destiny. When at the beginning, it was such a prophetic voice that when the woman gave birth a son, he named him Samson, and the Lord's hand was in him, and the, the, God, the Spirit of God began to stir him up. You know, as he grew up, the Spirit of God was in him. This guy had destiny. He had so much going on in his life. But his mission changed. When this stopped going on, he became very angry because they did not treat him fairly. Because they ended up killing his wife anyway. And his son, and he got so mad. And he changed the mission of his life to, I'm going to get back to them. In fact, a couple of times, it's, I'm going to get even with them. I'm going to do to them what they've done to me. I'm going to make him really feel it. He would still have the anointing. He would still have the strength. He was capable of doing amazing stuff. But his mission changed. So, I thought today I'll give you just a couple of things that I think that we too need to watch out in our lives because it will corrupt our destiny. It will hinder us from becoming all that we can be in God, if we don't check those things that are not necessarily on the outside, they're inside things. Because God want, always wants to walk on the, on the inside of us. The first thing, number one, Samson, who told Samson? Samson shows up in town and he's trying to impress these guys. He's already the strongest man alive. What do you have to prove? Arm wrestle, he'll take you down. UFC, he'll take anybody down. And he goes, hey, guys, come here. Come here, guys. Got to tell your riddle. What was his motivation? Pride. Going around bragging? Well, you're already good. You don't have to brag anything. God's got your back. You don't have to prove nothing to no one. How many times do we do things... Because we want to prove someone something. We'll get ourselves in debt of our roof. Not that God doesn't want you to drive a nice car or live in a good house. He, he can less. He can bless you with all that. God is God. But are you motivated by showing off? Maybe I'll get respect if I look good. 
It's good to look good. It's good to work out. It's good for your health. But I tell you, oftentimes it's not just for health. Okay. What is our motivation? Samson comes in, oh, smarty, because I'm going to show you guys how smart I am. God's already blessed him. You see, if you read the earlier chapter, the Bible says that God was in this marriage. When he told his parents, I'm going to marry a, 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 a Philistine, the parents are like, are you kidding me? You can't find a girl in all of Israel? But it says the parents did not know that God was in it. God was in this marriage. Because he had destiny for Samson. But this marriage would not last. The last verse, it says that Samson, look at that, look at that last verse. But Samson was so furious about what had happened, he went back home to live with his father and mother. You don't do that when you're married. First week. You haven't had a real fight yet. And then his parents says, well, I guess he really does hate her. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Now, it went from bad to worse. Why? Anger. Pride. It all started. It wasn't her fault to begin with. He started this whole thing. If he hadn't promised stuff he didn't have, he wouldn't have to be... These guys would have not been mad if he wasn't taking all of, all of their stuff. But they were so mad at him. It all started with pride. We do have a little bit of that, all of us. And the Lord will show it to you at different times. And when he shows it to you, it's not that he wants you to feel bad. He wants you to just walk on it and remember that, you know, get yourself humble. Get yourself humble. He says that pride will always come before a fault. God despises the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. God will lift you up. You don't have to fight for yourself. Let God fight your battles for you. Don't have to prove nothing. I had one person say, hey, you know, if you're, if you're really good, if you're good, you'll tell people. Look at how good I am. But if you're great, they'll tell you. Let God make you great. Don't try to prove to people. It will get you in trouble all the time. It changes mission. And the second one is selfishness. Okay, second point. It was all started by him not feeling that he was treated fairly. But he changed his mission. God had called him and given him all this anointing to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistine. But you know, every fight he had with the Philistines after that was for himself. I'm going to get back at them. Now he forgot. God gifted him. God blessed him. God gave him everything he gave him so that he can be a blessing to others. So that he can free his people. But he went back at the Philistines. Yes, he was supposed to fight the Philistines. He was given supernatural ability to fight the Philistines. But not for himself. But to get his people free. To get Israel free. But he made it a personal mission. So easy to be so self-centered in our lives. In fact, our society is becoming more and more like that. But I tell you nothing. You get in God. You don't get promoted. You don't get blessed in God when you're serving yourself. Now, Hear me clearly. God knows what you need. God knows your desires. God knows your wants. 
But as you're giving, as you're blessed, you're blessed to give out. Is you, give, you will never be able to outgive God. Because the principle is, the more you give, the more comes back to you. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So God already knows your number. But he says, I'm gifting you, I'm blessing you to be a blessing to others. And as you are blessed to be a blessing, the blessings just keep come back, coming on. No, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You look back at what in the world? I cannot explain this dynamic, but God has always blessed givers. Can't explain it. It's a fun, common thing, good givers, when you talk to him. Like, I can't, I can't really explain it. But God has somehow, some way, God has always returned to me many times over. A lot of people, real problem solvers, people that succeed a lot, even in business, many times you'll find that they solved a problem that people had. And the problem that they solved... Reap them the benefits that they did. They figure out a solution for people. And that, you know, it's like, God, give me one of those ideas. Amen. You know he's able to give you one of those ideas. And the last one, as I close, which kind of rested in his life, was that need to get even. Vengeance. He lived all his life wanting to get back at them. And if you read the last story of his life, which we'll, we'll read in another message, Samson ultimately gets into the hands of the Philistines, and now they figured him out. And history repeated itself. His other wife, Delilah, who would figure out where his weakness was, and he sold him out, which was not right. That's another message for another time. But in his last day, Samson... He's in the middle of this house, and they're ready to just kill him publicly. He's blind already. They gorge his eyes out. They're so mad at him. And he prays to the Lord. And he says, God, if you would just give me strength, if you would anoint me one more time, one more time, guess what he asked for? I want to get even with them, God. I want to die with them. At least I get them one more time before I die. And guess what? God answered his prayer. God did anoint him one more time. And he did kill the Philistines. And he did die himself. And I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, wow. What if he had prayed differently? He said, God, I've messed up so much. I'm embarrassed to face you right now. I've misused everything you've given me, Lord. If you give me one more time, I will serve you. Give me one more time, I will help the people of Israel. Give me one more time. Give me my side back, I will serve you. And just God answered the prayer precisely. Because God did answer the prayer precisely. And he did get anointed, he did get restored, and he did get even. But the Israelites still continued to be in oppression over the, by the Philistines. It is one of the hardest things we would ever do. Because life is not fair. Things, people are not fair. People that you trust can actually hurt you. The things that have been done to you that you don't deserve. And nobody does. 
those things, and especially when the offender continues to offend, that it can put a limit on us. When the law says forgive, it's not because they deserve it. Because you deserve the freedom. They never, they may never see. Because you're thinking, oh, well, when they see it right. No, no, no. They may never see it right. But God wants you free because he has some stuff to do in your life. And when you hold on to it, it might be your demise. And not really attend to anything because you're holding on. It's a hard topic to talk about because people can be horrible. But it's something you've got to face the Lord with so that he can heal your heart. He can heal you so you are free indeed. And that limited Samson. It completely limited all the grace that was upon his life. All the purpose that was upon his life. He had so much going on for him. And he did not even attain. Why? Dates back here. When he was not treated right and he messed with him. When Jesus went on the cross, he came to give us dominion over those things. Though we are a product of our past, we don't have to be slaves of it any longer because the blood of Jesus is a perfect sacrifice that can give us the power to overcome the things that we cannot overcome on our own. The blood is still powerful today to set us free. It says that he that the Son of God has set free is free indeed. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to bring healing, to bring redemption. Just as he did forgive us of our sins, he can help us get through the hardest things and begin on a path of healing that could change your life and change your destiny, propel you into your purpose and be the man and the woman that God designed you to be. You don't have to give up. You can still trust in the blood and the power that comes with it. In Jesus' name. I want us to stand. Thank you, Jesus. Are you receiving from God? I believe that the Lord is wanting to heal. The Lord is wanting to set free. The Lord is wanting to propel us into purpose. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, pray with me. Pray with me all over this place. Oh, come on, city church. You can pray out loud. The Lord hears you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you that you're a good God. Oh, you are a good, good Father. You're a wonderful God, gracious. And Father, truth be told, today as we stand here, we are undeserving of your grace. We are undeserving of your mercy. We are undeserving of your forgiveness. As your word declares that you loved us so much, Lord, that yet when we were still sinners, that you demonstrated your love towards us in Romans, that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, as we stand before you now as a body of believers, we thank you that we are common by the works that you did on the cross. You left no stone unturned, Lord. You turned every one of them 
and declared that it is finished. We thank you, Lord, that this morning we can believe you at your word. That it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to the yoke of slavery. And Father, we know that we have a common enemy who wants us bound, who wants us tied down, he wants us pulled down and not be able to launch into our destiny, into our purpose. Because he delights in that. But today we strong strong in our faith. We unite our faith today and we come strongly against the power of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke the, uh, the, the, the devourer. We rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. That the blood of the Lamb has overcome in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said that you've given us authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome every power of the enemy. And Father, we come against every spirit of vengeance, of anger, of rage. Yes, we've been rightly wronged. Yes, we've been rightly hurt. But we choose to put them at the cross, at the feet of Jesus. And by that, we punch Satan back. In the name of Jesus. And I pray right now for the Spirit of God to come upon us to bring healing, deliverance, a touch in places that we've been enslaved for very long. That we can allow your Spirit, Lord, to bring life and joy and peace and patience. All the works of the Spirit, all the fruits of the Spirit will begin to flow in, in us and through us. We thank you, Lord. If you receive that, come on. Just raise your hands towards heaven. Begin to just receive it by faith. Begin to thank God for your freedom already. Come on. Help me pray. Help me pray. Come on. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. Begin to receive it by faith. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your healing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we glorify you in this place. You are the God of victory. The God of victory, Lord, we magnify your name in this place. We receive our healing. We receive our strength. We say the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's celebrate him. Celebrate the Lord with a shout of praise. With a shout of praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is done. You punch back the enemy when he comes to your life. Punch him back by the word of God. Punch him back by the word of God. Every single time he hits you one, you hit him back twice by the word. Until you crush him to his feet and you will be able to soar with wings as eagle. You do not deserve to be bound by that stuff anymore. Jesus paid the price for you and you deserve freedom. Amen. We'll go the fast one. I want to just pray one last prayer and then we'll, we'll let go out of this place singing. Amen. Let's close our eyes for a second. Maybe you are here today and you actually have not made that one call of saying, Jesus, I want you into my life. It, all things begin with that. You have to open your heart to God. You got to open your heart to God and say, Lord, I, maybe I need a fresh start from God. I just need to commit my life to Jesus today. I need to start with God. I want to open my heart to you. I don't want to leave. I don't want to close the service without giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your life. And if that's you, just raise your hand, wave at me. Every eye is closed as I ask. But I, I have my eyes open. I'm looking because I'm just, just 
when we wave at me, you're saying, yes, Pastor Sola, I want Jesus. I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want a fresh start with God. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my life. Anybody in this place. I won't take too long. And you, you could actually ask us to pray for you even after. I don't see any hands. I'm believing everybody's a believer here. Don't live without asking Jesus as your Savior today. Amen. Father, we thank you. I'm going to pray then. We thank you for the, the service and what you've done in us. I pray your blessing on your people in our coming in and in our going out. Let this week be fabulous because of the freedom that we enjoy in you. We honor you and bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, God bless you. Have a good week. Go out praising God. Amen. Your light broke through my night, restored exceeding joy. Your grace fell like the rain and made this desert live. Your hand lifted me up. I stand on higher ground. Your praise rose in my heart and made this valley sing. You have turned my morning into dancing. Yes, you have. You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned my morning into dancing. Thank you, Jesus. My sorrow into joy. Your light. Your light broke through my night, restored exceed. Your grace fell like the rain and made this desert live. Your hand lifted me up. I stand on higher ground. Your praise rose in my heart and made this valley sing. My morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. Oh, you have turned my morning into dancing. Yes, you have. My sorrow into joy. This is how. This is how we overcome. We put the enemy under our feet. He is a liar. This is how we fight and wrestle against principalities and powers, but our God, He is bigger. We push through the darkness. We push through our fear. Yes, we do. This is how we overcome. And when we have the victory, what do we do? This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. This is how we over you. My morning into dancing. Yes, you have. Whoa. You have. Hallelujah, Lord. My sorrow. Let's do it one more time. Let's remember who we fight against. 
Within us is the Holy Spirit. It gives us the power to put the enemy under our feet. He does not win. He does not win. This is how we overcome. We push away the fear. We push away the anger, Lord. Hallelujah. Push it away. Push it back. So you can have the victory. Hallelujah. Victory. This is how we over you have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. Thank you, Jesus. Dancing. Whoa. Turn my sorrow into Oh, 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 o